Oops, that wasn't very good. Let's <laughs> start over. No, it's not. Let's just push on through. No. Sweetie, life is imperfect. This is Zen Parenting Radio, episode number <laughs> 212. Sorry about that lack of fade. That's yeah. not a fadey It beginning. sounded a little sharp. It was a little sharp, a little abrupt. A little abrupt. Um, my name's Todd Adams. What's your name? This is Kathy Adams. Um, Zen Parenting Radio, it's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So I want to start out the show by saying thank you to our listeners. Thank you for giving us iTunes iTunes reviews. Thank you. Thank you for sharing our Facebook posts. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you for listening to our show. Yes. Thank you for coming to our awesome screening that we have coming up. Yes. On March 11th. Yes. Tickets um, are going fast. Yeah, they're just racing right off. I'm going to play 16 seconds of the trailer. So before he plays that, the screening that he's talking about is on Wednesday, March 11th at York Theater here in Elmhurst, Illinois. We are screening um, the documentary, uh, The Mask You Live In, which is right now at Sundance, um, Sundance Film Festival. It's going directly going from Sundance to York Theater <laughs> in Elmhurst. Sweetie. It might make a few stops along the way. But it is a Sundance selection, um, and it's by the same woman who made misrepresentation. So we will be screening it, and you can get tickets on zenparentingradio.com or kathycadams.com. Here we go. You're told from day one, don't let nobody disrespect you, and this is the way you handle it as a man. Respect is linked to violence. If I can man up, why step down from that? You feel me? It's like instinct. So are you feeling me? I am. Um, well, and he's right, you know, like it's not um, typical when someone, you know, confronts, uh, when a boy confronts another boy or a man confronts another man, there's always this need to get in each other's face. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the most common thing? Except in the Grand Budapest Hotel when Rafe Fiennes runs away. We're not going to be able to <laughs> duplicate that, but yeah, that was really good. Um, it's different than the quote that I read to you last night when I was reading my little Zen meditation book. Yes. And it is... If you take a step backwards, you have the advantage. Yes. Or something like yes. that. Yes. Which is kind of like the opposite. Like the what these kids are saying in this trailer is, you know, you got to get in people's face. And the Zen meditation book I was reading says take a step backwards and you have the advantage. Basically, if you stay, take a step back, you have a view that you don't otherwise have. You can actually say something different. Yeah. Because the thing that we know about stepping up to someone or not stepping down is that it's going to result in usually violence or some kind of aggression, even if it's just word aggression. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't turn bloody, but there's going to be some kind of back and forth. And there's there are many, many other options. And the whole idea of stepping back isn't saying, I'm weak, I'm afraid. It's stepping back and saying, well, wait a second, what's going on? Or, uh, you know, you're angry. What's going – you know, it's like like Todd said, seeing the big picture. You know what's interesting about this? What? Because this is what we're talking about on the show today, the lies that people tell us. That's right. I love the way you lie. Or sometimes I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, so our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly. Her number is 630-941-8733, and the website is com. So check out Dr. Kelly. So yeah. why don't you, sweetie – um, give us a better understanding of what this show is going to be out well, about today. Todd and I were talking this morning about how there's these kind of cliche statements and phrases that we use every day or people tend to use that we just accept as true. 
and we don't question them. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of go into life and say, well, here's a fact. And so therefore, this is the way we need to live. And you know, just kind of like stepping back from any kind of thing that feels aggressive right. because sometimes these stories can feel aggressive. When you step back from it, you realize that these things aren't necessarily true. Maybe they were true at one point to somebody, right. but they're not necessarily true for everybody. And so I, I have a bunch of them. We're not going to have time to go through all How of them. How many do you have? I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So between both of us, we have thirteen. You have some too? No. Oh, between, between both of us. Right. Yes. Like we worked hard on this together. <laughs> between both of us, we have 13. It's well, kind of like I, how I, I tell my buddy Brian, who's won the fantasy football championship like four times, uh-huh. and I haven't won it at all. You did win it. That was in the different league. Oh. Between both, the two of us together, we have four championships. That's right. If so you the, really put the two people yeah, together. Yeah, if we combine our assets. Right. We have 13 quotes. Does that cause him to split the money with you when you make that point? Unfortunately, no. No, so he keeps And the I forgot, rings. I didn't prepare anything for my money part of the show. Money. You know what? That's okay. Because this is interesting. By okay, do you mean bad? Now, I have a question. Are you going to play our listener who has... Yeah. Okay, are you going to do that first? No, I'm going to do that after. Okay. So let's just jump in, shall we? Both feet. Okay, you're not going to play any music? Um, yeah, I'm going to play music. Okay. You got that right. Ted's got to get jump into you got to put your producing hat on. I'm Mr. Producer. You're wearing your I bet you don't know this song, do you? No, because it's stupid. It's not stupid. It's live. Is this Oingo Boingo? No, it's not Oingo Boingo. It's Thompson Twins. How many people are in Thompson Twins? Three. Yeah, I don't like their name of their band either. It's two guys and a girl. It should be called Thompson Triplets. No, they're being ironic. They're being dumb. Finally, you realize why bad will always prevail over evil because good is dumb or something like that. Spaceballs? Oh, by the way. Mike Rosen, Mm -hmm. my buddy, Uh got the movie line from last week. Which was what? Tell me. It's from On Golden Pond. Oh, yeah. Henry Fonda is talking to somebody, and he's talking about his wife, uh, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. And -hmm. says, she makes my my heart go pitter-patter. Ah. Gosh, I wouldn't have even been able to conjure that Nobody, none of our listeners um, got it other than Mike. So nice job, Mike Rosen. You know, speaking of On Golden Pond... We just watched another Jane Fonda movie yesterday Yeah, called This Is Where I Leave You. I believe that's what it's called. And it's not just a Jane Fonda movie. There's like a million people in this movie. And I was thinking about it more this morning because it was good. I gave it like a two and a half star. It could have been better. Could have been a lot. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. I was fully engaged, but it was really random. Like they throw in they really random scenes. They didn't tie it together no. enough. Do you remember like that scene when Philip comes out and says to his sister, who's Tina Fey, like you raised me, and mm-hmm. I was like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Like you, how you, you think too hard. Do I? Yeah. I just like things that have a heart that everything kind of connects, and they were trying to throw in a lot of sentimental yeah, too things, much. and it just it was not bad. Didn't like, fit. But yeah, it wasn't great. So anyway, here What's we go. What's the first quote, sweetie? Hold so, on. Let me do the drum roll. Okay. Um, no, that's crickets. That's not. <laughs> Sorry. There we go. Number one, let's just start with something easy. Life is hard. But life is hard. No, life is not hard. 
Help me understand why life isn't hard, sweetie. Well, our perception of life um, is what dictates what it is or isn't. And that doesn't mean, as we always say on the show, that you could ever go through life and not have things happen to you. There's no such thing. You're going to have failures and challenges and people are going to die and things are going to be sad and you're going to skin your knee and you're going to lose a job and stuff like that happens. But those, in essence, do not make life hard. Mm. The way we view things and the way we... filter. Our filter and the way we experience it. Do we process through it? Do we deal with it? Do we notice what we learned from it? And again, sometimes in the midst of something, you're not in a learning place. You need to just kind of feel what's happening. But eventually, do you look back like, I don't know about you, but choose something in your life that was really difficult and look back on it and think about... Cutting weight for wrestling. Well, okay. That was really hard. What did you learn from that? Discipline. Okay. Uh, An appreciation to eat food. To this day, I still like eating my food because I couldn't when I was 16. You don't just like eating your food. You like to eat everybody's food. If it's good, Todd, will, or even if it's not if good, if Skylar like leaves a soggy bowl of cereal on the Did counter, you just say soggy, soggy. I think like, it's called soggy. <laughs> it is if you live in Chicago, yeah. which I do. I just say Chicago, um, but it's like all soggy and it's been like sitting yeah, there, and weeds, he'll eat it. Yeah, many weeds get a little soggyish there, pretty quick. Well, and they've been sitting there a long time, and you're like, oh, this looks good, and because it doesn't it's like look good. Sugary milk, and it's good. Ugh, ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so you learn something. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and I know that. But I think that the more that we say things like life is hard, the more we expect that negative feeling of, well, this isn't going to work out. It or becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Always, always. And, and again, take this in balance, everybody. There's a spectrum. It doesn't mean that you say life is so easy and life is so, you know, there's this place. Let's in- come up with a new one. Not life is easy, not life is hard. Let's say life is fun. Life is amazing. Life is amazing. Because even when things are difficult, like I have a lot of friends right now going through some difficult times. I have a really, really close friend with a very sick child. One of my um, very close friends is having to put down her animal. Um, I have um, our really good friends, their grandmother just passed away. Like there's a lot going on. Yeah. And, but at the same time, in the midst of all that, there's all this like love and connection and um, helping amazement. and support. Amazement. I always. Oh, yeah. You just look for a reason to play this <laughs> song. <laughs> okay, we can keep talking. This can be the song to describe life. Life is amazing, everybody. It is. That doesn't mean it's easy. No. It's amazing. All right. So I hate to turn it off. I know it's a great song. I like that song too. Um, this is what I'll say. Last night I was watching 60 Minutes and I was watching uh, John Boehner and Mitch McConnell be interviewed. Um, it was right after they heard the State of the Union. Yeah. And and I'm not even going to talk politics about what they believe or what, the, what Obama believes, but you can just feel – that extreme thinking of we're over here, they're over here, and no matter what question is asked, we believe this, they believe this. And there is no like, oh, again, I'm not being an idiot. I know that politics has gotten here, so they can't do that or else then their whole 
team stops giving them money and the lobbyists get mad. Like, I get the bigger picture. And both sides do it. Both sides do it. But I watch it, and I said to Todd, I go, it's really difficult to watch something like that when people are being so inauthentic. Because I don't think they really believe what they're saying. The problem is, in in today's society, if they say one wrong thing that is going to upset their constituents, constituents, they're screwed. And it's, you know what? Not their constituents. Their constituents is the people. Yeah, they're... It's uh, their their party. Yeah, the... Well, not the party, the people that are paying for their campaign. That's the stuff. lobbyists, yeah. the the whoever. Yeah. You're right. It's not the party. It's not the people because majority of people are somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Most people I know in real life who are Democrats or Republicans are really commonsensical about yeah. things. They're not like, well, if you don't believe this, I don't like you. Right. There's it's, this crazies on, on both sides, but most of us are, are yeah. more in the middle. Well, as we all know, the people who get the microphone mm-hmm. and who shout the loudest are the people who are most off the charts kind of nutty. Sweetie. You and I are both in front of microphones. I know, but the but you see, I want to, I I like having a microphone for the reason that I think that balance can have a voice, mm-hmm. and that that doesn't mean every single thing you and I say is true to everyone. It just means that you know it's okay to live in the gray. Right. It's okay. It's okay to not be black and white about things because guess what? It's very that doesn't really exist. No. There's always another viewpoint. So, do you want to do another one? Hold on, let me do the um, let me do the thingy thing. Okay. Gosh, I want to. I can't figure out which one I want to do. That's next. a weird quote, sweetie. Well, no, no. Oh, that wasn't it. Okay, how about this one? Being good at school means you will be good at work. Oh, yeah, that's not true. What do you think about that? Well, I think that. Uh, well, it's funny. I wanted to go back and say if somebody's listening to the first time, like, why is this Zen Parenting Radio? You're not talking about parenting. Well, we rarely talk about parenting on Zen Parenting Radio. It's but all about parenting. This is one of the things where we can. We get caught in the trap that we think that if our kinder, you know, our four-year-old studies flashcards before kindergarten, that they'll be more ready for kindergarten. I say that is because I did that with my oldest kid when she was four. I would do flashcards, like, well, she'll be ahead when she, and it's just a cycle that would never stop. Since then, I have disconnected from that belief system. But the idea that if you excel at school, and us parents try to make sure that our kids are special. And it, it it gets in the way of a relationship, a true relationship with your child. Mm-hmm. Breaks down connection. And let's say they do get to Stanford and they're at the magna cum laude, summa cum laude, the radio is too laude. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean they're going to be any happier or peaceful. Or more successful. Or successful or emotionally grounded. It just means that they might be in a position to make a little bit more money or they might jump off a bridge because they so their parents put so much darn pressure on them since they were four-year-olds with the flashcards that they don't know which way to go. You just jumped to a big extreme <laughs> there. Yikes. Sorry. Fear. Um, so just to kind of bring it back There's to the There's a little the bit of gray in there too. <laughs> is that what, you know, I agree with you in the sense that um, – we, you know, stepping back from like what Todd said about our kids are born and or before they're born, we're playing the music in utero and classical music because we want them to be smart and we want them to have this and we want them to be ahead and we want them to be the best because there's underneath this belief system that that will in turn make them more happy. Mm-hmm. And what we know now, not just because it feels right in our gut, but because we know this via research about happiness and about Um, being an emotionally healthy human being is that the more someone feels connected to who they are and the more they feel connection to other people in the world, that's what creates happiness. That has nothing to do with grades. It has nothing to do with what college you choose and it has nothing to do with making money. Mm -hmm. So 
the big shift we need to make is what makes a person happy. Now, if your child, you know, because I have friends who have children who have been deemed gifted because they just, schoolwork is not difficult for yeah, them. it comes easy to them. Awesome. Yeah. Like, it's not about saying, now that's bad. Right. No, no, no. Enjoy that. Appreciate that. That's part of their skill set. Yeah. You know, things like that come easier to And it's to a them. part of them. It's not all of it's who they are. It's a part of them. But don't assume because they do well on a test that every aspect of their life is going to be smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. They also need emotional awareness and they need a, a self-care regimen. They need to feel like relationships are important and that they're, they feel grounded and centered. You know, there's all these pieces. So the really the most important thing to understand is that although doing well in school, and I do believe that education is what takes us to the next level, but you can be right there smack dab in the middle of your class, meaning ranking and stuff, right. and still that education is taking you to another level. Right. You don't have to compete in such a way where if you're not first, then you are not good enough. Right. And so with that said, I, I wanted to share, I've never shared this story, um, but one of my students at Dominican said to me one time, um, she was asking me about her paper that she had to write. And I am very low key about papers in the classroom, meaning I just kind of give some basic outline. Yeah. And then I say, you guys fill it in. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you find research-wise, you guys fill it Open-ended. in. Open-ended. And it drives my students crazy because they're used to a very regimented, rigid. rigid way of writing a paper. So I always get a million questions. And she came up to me and she said, well, I don't understand how to do this because I would have to write it from my perspective. <laughs> and I said, exactly. And she said, but I have been taught, and I, in this language, which is so beautiful because this is so what we're doing in college and in high school too. I have been taught to take the I out of the paper. For sure. I remember being taught that too. And I'm like, take the I out of the paper. I'm like, then you're taking yourself out of the paper and you're just regurgitating somebody else's information. Mm -hmm. I value other people's information, but then you got to put yourself in it and say, is that something I feel? Do I believe that? Does this connect to other things I've learned? Because that would be difficult for a second grader. But when you're in college, that's what you got to do, right? Right. Well, I mean, it, I think it depends on the type of paper. But I remember saying you can't use the letter I in, as a word in your paper because it's not, I mean, unless it's an opinion column. But the fact that you're asking them to write a paper and you give them very little parameters, I can understand why these kids are stuck because yeah. this is not a typical college paper request. Right. And maybe because I'm teaching sociology and social work. There is no choice but to identify, understand yourself mm-hmm. in terms. I mean, maybe when you're doing a paper in science, mm-hmm. you don't put the I in there. Yeah. Um, there is an I in science, by the way. There is S C I E N C E. Very good. Do you know that there is a some kind of thing about I before E except after C? Yeah, yet, I know that trick. Yet in the word weird, it's W E I R D. That is. Weird. Isn't that weird? That's a little weird, sweetie. I know, I know, I know. So anyway, um, the saying it again, being good at school does not mean you'll be good at work. What we now know is that school is part of it, but to be to excel at work, you have to be able to think out of the box, have empathy and compassion for other people, and be an amazing listener. If you can do those things, you're going to – and be, a, be an open-minded learner. You have to be, you know, consistently learning. Sweetie, I want to go to the next quote, but first I want to throw in a little shout out for our other partner, Dr. Okay. John Kelly. His um, website is chicagodentistonline.com. He does comprehensive dentistry, um, specializes in many things, but what he specializes with us is called 
non-retractable orthodontics. So if you look, if you're looking for a different way of going about uh, getting your kid's teeth fixed that doesn't compromise other issues, he's your man. 773-631-6844. And then, um, sweetie, one other thing. We talked about how it's not black or white. Uh huh. What is it? It's gray. Oh gosh, I haven't heard this in a long time. Wasn't this on your video, uh, your your disc for when you're gonna Jay-Z have JC? Yeah. Sweetie, go ahead and sing. All the colors mixed together, sweetie. Oh, gosh. You know what that song reminds me of? Obviously, JC being born because it was the number one song on my disc, as you said. But driving to Children's Memorial every day from Elmhurst and because I was very pregnant and I would listen to that CD over and over again. I love that song. That was a great uh, memory. Thank you. I understand why Dave Matthews gets a bad rap. Because he... Colors mixed together on Gray Street. I, I love him. I just don't love him the way some people love him. Some people like go to every show. They're like diehards, like yeah. you would be for the dead or something. Yeah, but you're crazy um, But I wouldn't put him down. I think he's great. Yeah, don't put me down. Right. I don't know that song. That's from the Beatles, sweetie. Okay, I got one for you. I'm you totally got? pulling this out of nowhere, and you're not going to be able love to, it. to get this together. Love it. I just read that... Do you know Sam Smith's song? called Stay With Me. You don't know it because you don't listen to pop music. But Stay With Me is like huge and it's going to get like a ton of Grammys this year for probably Song of the Year, Record of the Year. Sweetie, this is like my favorite song of all time. Did he write this? Well, pause it for a second. He, they just, something was settled in court today that Tom Petty is going to get what is it called? Uh, royalties uh, for that song because it sounds so similar to I Won't Back Down. Really? It's a slowed down version of I Won't Back Down. It's so funny you say that because I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah. Back down. Hey, baby. Come on, sing. You guys know the words. No easy way out. Come on. If you're in your car listening, sing. So stay with me. Sweet, that's off of Full Moon Fever. It sure is. And you know what's on there? Zombie Zoo. Dancing at the Zombie Zoo. That's a college song, man. Zombie Zoo. Is it a good song? It's a great song. I don't know. How does it go? Does it go something a little like... People are like, why am I listening to the show again? When you press download, you didn't know that you are going to be dancing at the zombie zoo today, did you? It's just a great song. Okay. All right. What was Can your Can we quote? go on to number three? Yeah. What is it? Okay. So the next one. Okay. Tell me when I only have one left because I know what my number one is. Okay. We're 22 minutes in. Okay. Well, so I don't we, want to know the time. Oh, just okay. tell me. We don't, we don't have okay. 22 minutes. So here it is. It's in your genes to have bad hair, a bad heart, bad skin, bad knees. Ooh. Yes. Bruce, it's in uh, your genes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of that guy. Bruce Lipton? Is it Bruce Lipton? I get him and... Oh, James Lipton. Yeah, but James up. Lipton is <laughs> inside the actor's studio. Bruce Lipton is the... Bio... Uh, epigenetics. Epigenetics. But he... What was his book called? Uh, he had two of them. One was really complicated, 
And yeah, one I want to say it's like easier. the power of something. No, no. Well, anyway, so just for those of you who don't know what epigenetics are, basically, in I'll talk about it in layman's terms and not as a scientist, it's the whole idea that, yes, we are born with certain DNA and certain genes, but the way that we think about life, experience life, and what we believe is what affects what unfolds in our genes, meaning that we can have, we can inherit certain genetic material that never opens up. You know, I don't know what the word is for genes to like, you know, become realized, become realized. We epigenetics means it's our choice in our lifetime and the way that we experience things that when I say experience, it's not just about don't be scared. I always it always bothered me when people be like, if you think about it, then something bad's going to happen. If you think you're going to get breast cancer, then you will. That's too much pressure. It's also about the way we live our lives, the nutrition that we take in. Um, do we enjoy our daily experiences? Are we kind to people? Sweetie, that's your definition. You want to know what my definition is? You're reading off of a page. No, I'm not. This is off the top of my head. <laughs> a study of changes in organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than alteration of the genetic code itself. That's what I said. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, no, I, that's something I believe in. And they've done that, – that's science too. And I'll, it, it's kind of related to uh, like a placebo effect. Like if you don't think that you're going to get a headache, then you're not going to get a headache. You know, like when they give you sugar pills and right, all that. Absolutely. Like there are so many medications out there that I think a lot of doctors and pharmacists would say they're more placebo than anything. Right. Meaning that – you know what, Todd? I will admit to something. Let's hear Sometimes it. when I'm fearful – of getting a headache mm-hmm. because we have a big day or there's something going on. And my friends from college will attest to this because I used to do it a long time ago too. I will take an Advil yeah, just because it makes me feel like I won't get a headache. Yeah. And the truth is that that's probably not doing anything. You know, like physically it's not – but there's something about feeling that sense of, okay, I'm going to take this and then get back in control. And what that does is it alleviates my thinking about it, which I think then alleviates its ability to manifest. Now, sometimes it just does. Like you can't – you know, again, stay in the middle with us, people. This is an extreme. Every time we talk about stuff like this, people go one way or the other like it always works or it never works. It's that middle place. There are some people who have great lives and think good thoughts and and are very healthy that do get breast cancer and they're, they have a family history of it. I'm not saying that it doesn't make any difference, but it doesn't have to make all the difference. Right. You don't have to assume. Well, um, the name of the book that Bruce Lipton wrote is called The Biology of Belief. That's it. The Biology of the Belief. And I remember, because I read it a few years ago, and I remember in the beginning, he talked about how there was a study, and I don't know where it's from, but if you get the book, you'll you'll hear it firsthand. And they took a bunch of people with bad knees. Mm-hmm. And I think they had three different, whatever, groups. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the third group one was. One was they did the operation as you normally would. And then the, there's a second group that they basically just opened them up, didn't touch anything in the knee, and then just closed them back Mm -hmm. up. And they realized that there was no difference between the two groups. Wow. As far as how they, how the patient said their knee was doing. And that that book is full of that stuff. It gives you all of this information about how how, number one, how our belief system affects us, and then also how our society affects what we believe. Like he kind of takes the whole big picture and you start to recognize that what you choose to look at during the day, what you choose to take in as truth, what you choose, who you choose to spend your time with, um, 
because it was his book too that also talks about like music and how mm. negative music can like weaken your body. Well, he's got three books. One's the biology of belief, and that is very medical. I listened to it. I didn't read it, and it was not an easy book yeah. to get through. But yeah. there's another book that he wrote called The Honeymoon Effect, and I think that was written after the biology of belief. And its goal was to be a little bit more for the layman. Accessible. And there's a little YouTube clip here. I don't know if it's going to be any good. No. No. Welcome to Bruce Lipton. No. <laughs> no it's gonna be- I love the guy, though. Yeah, well, he and, – and the thing is, is epigenetics is not just from Bruce Lipton. Like, we know this oh, no, in no. the medical world. This is not just one guy saying this. Um, you know, epigenetics are something that we know to be true now. Um, and the point of that is, is that, you know, sometimes when I go to a doctor's visit – uh, my dad has a lot of history with heart issues. And, you know, when they start to go down the list, hey, you know, has anyone in your family ever had a heart attack? Has anyone in your family had high blood pressure? And I'm saying yes, 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 yes to all these things. I know that from uh, oftentimes a physician's perspective, they're like, oh, high risk person. Right. I don't believe that no. at all. And I'm not and saying I I'm think, denying it. I think it. that makes you less likely. To, it doesn't mean there's any certainty by it. No. It doesn't mean you're not going to have any issues, but it makes you less likely. Well, and the truth is, is I've never had high blood pressure. I've never had an issue with those kind of things. And part of it is the way that that I've never subscribed to the fact that that's true. And number two, also because of the choices I make on a daily basis, you know, um, you know, exercising and that kind of thing, not to run from something, but just because I know that's the best choice for me. Well, we just talked about your dad this morning and your dad has a lot of physical challenges. And, you know, you wouldn't know it. the doctors said however many years ago that it's going to be a tough go of it. And he has surpassed every doctor's expectation. My dad had for, and those of you who've probably heard this story or if you've read any of my books, but my dad 15 years ago when he was 60 was told that, or you had a heart attack and had a stroke and was not given a lot of optimistic prognosis. Yeah. And my dad is now 15 years later in Florida you know, relaxing, hanging out, having a, you know, and I, and, and, and I don't. And mean, I believe that the reason that he is still kicking is because. Of the way he thinks. Is because of the way he thinks. He does not believe himself if to be a sick person. This guy, you know, like sometimes I'll complain because I have a bad knee. This guy's got a lot of physical things going on. I've never once heard the man complain about anything regarding his physical challenges. And I think it'd be so easy to dwell on them. Right. And he chooses not to. It's like he doesn't even tap into it. I said to him this weekend, we were talking on the phone, they come home from Florida in about a week. And he his comment to me was, we were chatting about things. He goes, well, things are just going great here. We're healthy. Mm-hmm. We're happy. And he doesn't buy into what's like He does like not subscribe to what the doctors no. tell him. Mm-mm. And he's... He enjoys his life. Um, so I'm going to give you one more, sweetie, because I oh. want to get to a listener's question and I want to get to Kate. Okay. Or so, maybe two more, depending on So, how well, you got to tell me when I'm on my last one because okay. this is my last one. It's my number one. This won't be your last one. Okay. So let's let's do it this way. Um, oh, you'll, you'll – Is one of your uh, quotes, keep trucking? No. Oh. Um, okay. This is one that I hear from a lot of younger kids. I'm not going to expect too much, and then I won't be disappointed. Mm, you, that, that's a trigger for you. It you is can't a trigger stand for me. People say that, and I hear it. Some I hear it from kids. I've heard it from my kids before. I've heard it from a lot of kids I've worked with. Keep, so the idea is keep your expectations low, and anything good comes by, then you'll be pleasantly surprised. What they'll say to me is, if I go into the day and think it's going to suck, then good things happen, and I feel happy. If I go in and I think the day is going to be really great, 
then the day is really bad. It's setting me up for disappointment. And really what I think that is, is an inability to process and handle life's small disappointments here Mm. and there, that they believe that if something goes wrong or maybe they get in trouble in class or they get, you know, an 80 instead of a 90 on their paper, then the day is ruined. And if they go in expecting the day to be ruined, any small thing will trigger them to. And so my belief system in there is we have to help children understand that those small little, and I don't even want to call them failures disappointments during the day are part of a good day. Sometimes crap happens. And the more that you can recognize that as not being life-altering, then you can kind of, you know, maybe feel it, be like, talk about it, and then jump through it. Go keep moving. But if you really start to take on the life, the the lie that I'm going to go through life just thinking crappy things are going to happen... Your expectations for yourself and others is going to be really low. And I don't think that I know for a fact that that is not going to help you in experiencing life, as Todd and I were saying before, life being amazing. You'll just assume life is hard. And every time you have something that feels good, you are lucky instead of recognizing that life is really wonderful. Life is amazing. Life is amazing. And there's challenges in it. That's just part of it. You know, that's the paradox. How do you know joy if you haven't known sadness? You have to experience both. But it's a, like you said, it's a trigger for me. Which way do I go? You said you got to move on, right, sweetie? Right. Even more more Tom Petty today. Is that three Tom Petty songs in one podcast? third. Hope he doesn't sue us. Me too. Because he just sued Sam Smith in one. That's right. (laughs) Better stop that now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. We love you, Tom. We love go, you. Go buy their album <laughs> off iTunes. Yeah, I don't think we have Sam Smith royalty type. He's uh, from Florida. Who? Sam or uh, Tom? Tom Petty. Mm, good. Jacksonville. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Should I go on to the last one? Hold here? on. I got to give it a drum roll. Okay. Last one. Okay. Make it a good one. This is my least favorite thing that people ever say to me. You can't do it that way. Ooh. Ooh, I could have predicted that one, sweetie. I t- get t- so tell your mad. teacher story when you're a little kid. Which one? <laughs> um, or it's more. It's a kind of a different quote. But when they would ask a question, you would answer, oh, and they yes. would say wrong. It is the reason I became an elementary school teacher is because I would be. I kind of looked at things differently, which we all do. Doesn't make me any more special. I just <laughs> would read a book, and I'd be like, "Hey, I like this person," or "I like this." So the teacher would say, "Who in this book is the person that everybody likes?" And I would raise my hand and say, "I like blah blah blah." No. That's not the right answer. <clears throat> Kathy, you're wrong. Um, so on. Move on to the next person. I'd be like, what, what, what do you mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Those kind of things happen to me so often, especially in things like English, which I love. And it mm. wasn't called English then. It was, you know. Language thing, arts, sweetie. Things that I would really, it would expand my mind. And then I'd come to class and I'd be told I was wrong or I'd get like a D on a test. And I'd be like, well, you know, yeah. my choices, my multiple choices weren't there. And it drove me so crazy that as I processed through that, as I got older, I realized I wanted to teach kids. And every time they gave me an answer, I wanted to say, tell me how you got there. Mm. And every time they would explain, I'm talking 99% of the time. Right. It made sense. Yeah. You know, for a kid who lives in, the, you know, because I taught at Children's Memorial for a long time and a kid who lives in a certain neighborhood, 
a certain person is going to be their protagonist yeah. or maybe the person that they connect with the most. Where a kid who's from another part of town I got may a have another e- person. Perfect example. Let me hear it. In uh, Goodfellas, the movie, Jimmy Conway, Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ray Liotta is the talker of the movie, whatever his name is. The narrator? The narrator. He's the talker. Jimmy Conway used to always root for the bad guys in the movies. Yeah. Because what was Jimmy Conway? He was a bad guy. He identified. Right. And and again, you can't go around telling, you know, it's part of the reason that I'm not a huge fan of standardized tests. I'm not a huge fan of testing overall. You know, I, I know it's important for some aspects, but when it becomes the only thing, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't process people's thinking and it doesn't give their perspective. And the other thing I can't stand is things that are so standardized, not just test, I'll get out of school, but things they'll be like, if you want to be successful, you have to do but, but, and but. If you want this to work, you have to do this. And as you know, the quote is, I'll be doing something a certain way. And people say, oh, you can't do it that way. Well, really? Because mm-hmm. I am. Like writing your book. Oh, my God. Right? Yes. Didn't they say, well, you can't write a book like that. You got to do it like Especially this. Especially my first one, because I was so susceptible to those kind of comments yeah. because I didn't know you what did, I was yeah, doing. Yeah, you didn't have any confidence. And you people didn't... would say, nobody wants an essay book. You're mm-hmm. not big enough mm-hmm. to write an essay book, which I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, you, um, essay books don't sell. Right. Um, you know, chapters need to look this way. You, you don't want to write as if you don't know what you're talking about because then you won't have any... Um, People won't respect what you're saying. I mean, the crappy amount of advice that I got. And I just... You know I'm playing this song? Jeez. Why, sweetie? I'm playing this song because uh, after Siamese Dream, they, the record people said, Billy, you can't make a double album. Ah, it's too early. Ah. And Billy said, you know what? I don't care what you say. I'm making this album. This song is on that album. And this is the most sold double CD of all time. He said, despite all my rage, he's still, still going to make this double album. Yes, yes. All right. Okay, so don't say that to your kids. Don't say you can't do it that way. What don't can you say? say it what's to some yourself. other language that you can give to them? Tell me about what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Tell me this seems different than what you know what you learned. Tell me why you're thinking this way. And again, it's not about being a contrarian. I don't say, well, you do it that way, I'm gonna do it different. If someone has a good idea that resonates with me, I take it. I'm not an idiot. Like I love it when people have invented the wheel already. I'll take it. But if it doesn't resonate with me, then I wanna do it a way that feels right. That's called into or that's called, you know, doing things that feel right. <laughs> Let me write that quote down. Sweetie, you know what it is? What? Are you going to play another song? Last song. Last okay. song. Okay. Much more than this. That's right. Frank knows. This one's from my mom. Yes. Gigi loves this song. Oh, we were going to play this at her uh, funeral and it was too... Too heavy. Too heavy. But I'll play it now on the podcast. All right. I've had a few... But then again, it's a very smart song. It's, it's why it's infamous. It's infamous, sweetie. We have to move on. Okay. Um, I'm going to play because it is listener uh, call in and tell us how your spouse has your back month. It's Yes. How does someone have your back? How does your spouse have your back? So this is our friend Kate. It's about 90 seconds. So uh, give it a listen. Hi, Todd and Kathy. This is Kate from downstate Illinois, and I wanted to call and share with you a way that my husband, Steve, has my back each and every day. Uh, So I have a um, strong passion for triathlon and for racing and training 
and uh, I'm currently training for my first full Ironman. And this passion that I have is not shared by my husband, but he does support me in it, and he supports my goal. And he knows how important it is that I have something for myself um, that's separate from being a wife and a mother and, um, and something that I'm passionate about. So a lot of my training happens between the hours of 4.30 and 7 a.m., and uh, he always gives me this time to do what I need to do to train. And um, he always gives me that time, no questions asked. So whether he's getting up early to take care of the kids or uh, take care of our business, I always know that I have that time. And and we both know he understands that uh, when I get that time, when I have that time, um, it allows me to be at my best later for the rest of the day. So it allows me to be the best wife I can be and the best mother I can be. Um, and I just really appreciate it. And uh, I don't tell him enough. So thanks. Thanks. I think thank we got you. cut out there at the end, but uh, you got the gist. I did. Kate, thank you. And I think this really important. Can you find, what's that, what's brave, that part in Braveheart when he says freedom? Yeah, he goes, he goes, this is what he says. He goes, freedom. Yes. That part. That part. You you did it. You don't even need to find it. What I think about when I hear her message is that is her little freedom in the day to she, that she knows she can count on, that makes her feel like herself and fills her up. And I have a big <laughs> – I, that's probably one of the greatest things or one of the most important things to me is little freedoms. I don't believe that I need to have – that the whole day needs to be around me, that there's no such thing doing what I do and um, having children. I would never expect that. But I have to have little pieces of freedom or else I can get really crabby. Remember when I cried the other day? Which time, sweetie? Um, <laughs> Saturday morning. That was a shot. I woke up. And I had two hours planned out for myself. I was going to go to yoga and I was going to go to the grocery store, which really isn't a fun thing. But I had a plan. And those are my little freedoms is that on a Saturday is different than a Tuesday because I'm not teaching. I don't – the kids aren't going to school. And I woke up really excited. It's my little freedom, right? So I'm downstairs. I'm making smoothies, you know, doing something. I was going to walk out the door. I had a child who walked down the stairs who said she had a sore throat. Thanks a lot, Cameron. I had she and she's fine, but you know, I what else happened? There's two things that happened, and I could not go yeah. to yoga. And everyone, you know, I know you would have been like, you can go, you can go, but I couldn't. I can't walk out when my child's. You know, it just wasn't going to work. It's different between me and you, sweetie. Well, I could have walked out. I know, but I could not. Right, I know. And and the thing that I had to do was cry for about three or four minutes. Not in like a feel sorry for me way, but I am disappointed. But then five minutes later, rally. You, you rally. I made another plan. And um, so when you cry like that, uh-huh. um, I didn't console you. I let you no. cry. Mm-mm. Should I have? Mm, I didn't really need it. Um, husbands that are listening, like uh, let's just say it's kind of like the way you and I do it, which is you cry and I don't. Uh-huh. Not that that's healthy, but uh-huh. um, how, when... Should I should I always console you? Never console you? Well, somewhere in between? Like, how do I know when to console? First of all, that's individual. There's no way I would say, "Here's what you do. Here's what you don't." You have to know your own partner and your own spouse. And so, the person 
if if you are wondering that as a woman or a man right now, like when do I console my partner, you need to ask them. Mm-hmm. You need to say, you were crying the other day. Should I have sat down by you? Did you want space? Mm-hmm. Because I really don't know. Right. You know, that's a valid question. You're mm-hmm. not supposed to read people's minds. And ladies, but, but you don't think people should read your minds because that's not fair. But um, and men too. Should I ask you in that moment or just take a leap of faith and do one or the other and then ask you afterwards? I think that, I don't know. I mean, in that situation, you asked me if I was okay. You said, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm just disappointed. Mm-hmm. And um, right. you, so yeah. So there's two YouTube clips on uh, Braveheart Freedom. One's okay. three minutes and 12 seconds. No, don't play that. But this one I think is right when he dies. So. Mm, I don't want to play that. Here we go. <laughs> Hopefully there's no. Okay. <laughs> William Wallace. Next time I can't go to yoga, I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to put my arms up. And the thing is, is it just like mini meltdowns, little freedoms. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to make a decision that parenting is hard and I'm trapped and I'm bleh. There is some truth to that. There is some, we don't have the freedom we used to have, but you can carve out mini freedoms. And then when your mini freedoms are taken away, you can have a mini meltdown and then you move forward and you find another way to have freedom. Terminant of bad. Terminant of bad. Terminant of bad. This is a short one. Okay. Kids that order food and don't eat any of it. Yeah. That's it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's just in the tournament of bad. That's it. (laughs) Can't stand it. You know what? It, what a picture George comes. Can't stand you. Can't stand you, um, Costanza. What comes into my head when you say that is just chicken fingers. Yeah, it's I like a total them. chicken fingers order. <laughs> I get chicken fingers and fries, and you like one fry, and you like even, a, and a little nibble off a of chicken finger. I know, and you're like, is that it? And you, and then you end up with like ten chicken finger buckets in your. Your yeah, fridge. Yeah. They're and, not buckets. What are they? I don't know. And then you'll leave, and upon exiting the restaurant, they'll say, "I'm hungry." And then, yes. Thanks a lot, kids. Thanks a lot. Way to be. Um, Anything you want to promote, sweetie, as we close up shop here? Uh, Let's see. Just like we said before at the beginning of the show, get your tickets for the mask. Hold on. Get your tickets for the mask you live in. The mask you live in. Yeah. Um, go to my website, kathycadams.com, and get your tickets because they really, it's not till March and we're already almost halfway through tickets. So yep. get your tickets. Um, and then my book, uh, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn The Power of Self Aware Parenting, came out uh, three or four months ago. Get that one. Um, and we also have the BU Zen Parenting Radio hat. Mm-hmm. And Todd's wearing it because he wears it all the time. I do. And I think that's it. Um, oh, I, wait, one more. I'm sorry, sweetie. Go ahead. I am going to be at Parent University in um, at Lyons Township High School in Western Springs this Saturday, uh, the 31st of January. I'm doing two sessions, one on mindfulness and one on ending the screen addiction. So if you're anywhere in this vicinity... Um, again, it's on my website, kathycadams.com. You can click on there and register. And I'm hosting my second annual um, Unplug, Unwind, and Recharge Men's Retreat. We have one spot left. So if there's any guys out there that want to work on themselves a little bit and have some fun at the same time, uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And don't forget our last partner, sweetie. Who's our last partner? Avid Company. And what's the guy's name that does Jeremy. it? Jeremy. And what is he? He's the best. And what else? He's... He's a bald-headed beauty. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's really good at what he does. 630-956-1800, painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. Um, Words of wisdom? Um, Make it short. 
Uh, oh, I, I don't. Only you get to decide what's true and right for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, everybody. Keep trucking. Have a good week. Adios.